We're actually going to be preaching about faith this morning. I love the subject of faith, but before we go into that, if we could just bow our heads. and Lord Jesus, I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the anointing and the unction to speak. I thank you that you make it clear to your people, Lord God, what you have to say. We open up our hearts and our minds to receive wisdom and revelation from you. I thank you, Lord God, that it's your ability working in us, Lord Jesus, that actually produces lasting fruit. And I thank you, Lord, that you said that our fruit should remain. We thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Last week, as I was reading through the book of Matthew, I was just spending some time with the Lord. It was just during the week. I was started in Matthew 6, Matthew 7, and Matthew 8. And as I was reading, the word faith kept coming up. And I thought to myself, I'm going to look up faith and see how many times it's mentioned in the New Testament. And I looked it up, and I was surprised that it was mentioned 245 times. I said, wow, that's a lot. And I was telling Heather, I said, if it would have only been mentioned 10 times, we would have a basis to, to preach on. You know, if it was mentioned 10 times in the Bible, that would give us a foundation to actually preach faith. 245 times it appears. The next thing that even comes close to the word faith in our New Testament is the word grace. It appears 156 times. The one after that is love, 142 times. And then mercy. We've heard so many messages about mercy. You know how many times mercy appears in the New Testament? 28 times. <laughs> I said, wow. I said, that's absolutely amazing because without faith, you can't access grace, which is the next one. And if you don't walk in love, the Bible says that faith worketh by love. So if you don't walk in love, you can't even operate in faith, which will bring you to grace. And then it's only by mercy that we actually receive it <laughs> by the mercy of God. <laughs> But then I thought, well, 245 times in the New Testament, I wonder how many times in the Old Testament. And to my amazement, the word faith in the Hebrew tongue is a moon, and in the Greek tongue it's pistis, which is the New Testament. That word only appears two times in the whole Old Testament. And I was thinking, Lord, why is that? Why only two times? And as I was fellowshipping with the Lord, this is what came to my mind. The Spirit of God in the Old Testament came upon a person. And that person then would lead the people. But then when Jesus came, what was Jesus' name? He was Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. So it went from God being upon us to now God is with us. And then after Jesus died, and he left, and he told the disciples, I won't leave you comfortless, but I will send another comforter that shall abide with you forever. So it went from God upon us to God with us, and now God is in us. That is what makes all the difference. And the Apostle Paul speaking in the 8th chapter of Romans, I believe it is, he says that hope seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for it? We actually have the ability to walk in faith. All right, we're going to turn to Jude 
It's only one chapter. I still always say I was explaining this message to my buddy Dan because he asked me, what are you preaching on? I said, I'm preaching out of the book of Jude, chapter 1. So, well, it is only one chapter, but <laughs> it's the book of Jude. <laughs> Amen. 1-3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So the question is, is how do we get faith? Because in a lot of religious circles, faith is something that you have to muster up. And if you have enough faith, then somehow you can touch God. It's twisted. Because listen to what he says when he says that you should earnestly contend for the faith. I looked up that word contend. I thought it was a little strange, but it says to struggle for. It don't mean as in you're struggling to get faith. Like the woman with the issue of blood who had faith to believe and then she pressed. Whatever she had to do, she was going to get to that point to where she could actually touch Jesus. So contend for the faith which was once. Looked up the word once in the Greek. And it says a singular time. One time. So he's telling you to earnestly contend for the faith which was once, one time, delivered unto the saints. So when was that faith delivered unto you? The word deliver actually means to transmit, to confer. So when was it delivered to you? Or when was it delivered to mankind? It was delivered after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The faith of God then was actually able to be implanted inside of you. And the scripture bears witness with that because Jesus saying that the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a mustard seed that when a man planted it in his field, that that seed became big enough to actually lodge birds and, and wild beasts in its shade and under its branches. The thing is, is that it's not that we need more faith. Like I said before, we just have to access the faith which we've already been given. Amen. If God is the author and the finisher of our faith, as the word says, and he authored the faith in us, then how do we obtain to greater faith? There's three different responses from Jesus concerning faith. The first one is in Luke chapter 8, verse 25, and he's literally asked the disciples, where is your faith? You guys are familiar with the story. It was when a raging storm came against the disciples, and the Bible says that Jesus was in the bottom of the boat sleeping. And the disciples woke him and said, Lord, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and then he goes on to ask him, and he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they being afraid, wonder, saying, one to another, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the waters, and they do obey him. We have the faith of God in us. 
But a lot of times we put faith in the circumstances or in the storms of life instead of actually looking to the author of life, which is God. They had the ability to look to the author of life instead of the storms of life because the one who quiets the storm. And they said, what manner of man is now? Because you in him produced a seed that is incorruptible, which actually made you a child of God. So now your name is Son of God, just like Jesus' name was Son of God. Now you guys are actually sons and daughters of God. And the seed planted in you has already been given to you and released into the earth after the death of Jesus Christ. So now we can actually receive and produce the same faith that Jesus had when he walked on the earth. So now the God that was upon us walks with us and that kingdom of God resides in us. We have actually an open door to access the things of God anytime we need them. Amen. So Jesus said, where is your faith? And then in Matthew 8.10, it says, when Jesus heard it, this is a centurion, because the centurion came to him and said, Lord, my servant is sick. He's close to death. And he, Actually, I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 10. All right, we're going to start in verse 5. My Bible says the faith of a centurion. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say unto this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. So, the three different kinds of faith. The first one was, where is your faith? The second one was great faith. See, this centurion, even though he was a centurion and he wasn't a Jew, he had knowledge of the working of the kingdom of God because he had understanding of what it actually is to be a man in authority. And he believed that Jesus held the authority of the kingdom of God, that all he had to do was speak it and his servant would be healed. It came through understanding. See, when you understand the principles of God, you're no longer asking people to come over and lay hands on you and you will be whole. Because you know that you have a right to go before the throne room of God and to actually go into the presence of God. You have that right through what Jesus did. You access that by faith. Amen. Because you realize that you're not just servants. Servants didn't have the opportunity to just go anywhere they wanted at any time. They didn't have that luxury. But as a son, you don't even have to knock. You have the privilege to go in before God, unashamed of anything you've done. 
because you understand that your God, that your Father is a good Father. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, which He gave us, literally prays for us and utters groanings and other things that we don't understand, but it prays according to the will of God. So even when you don't know what to say in the presence of God, you have a helper. And he's been sent to help you. Remember, it went from God on us to God with us, and now God is actually residing inside of us. We have the faith of Almighty God living inside of us. We can believe anything that God said because it was his faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the faith of God living and residing inside of you. And that faith is what makes the difference in your life. Amen. Amen. So the next one. So we've seen where was their faith. We've seen great faith. And now we're about to see uh, little faith. <laughs> it's in uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 8. A little earlier, Jesus just got done feeding 5,000 people with very, very little. <laughs> and uh, he says, we'll go up to verse 5, Matthew 16, 5. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the, and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because you have no bread? Do you not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets you took up? neither the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many baskets you took up how is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees then they understood how that he bade them not beware of the leavened bread but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees see they had already had great works that had been done and their actual presence. They had actually fed 5,000 people. The Bible says Jesus did it, but Jesus blessed it, broke it, gave it to the disciples, and the disciples fed the people. They were actually part of a miracle that could only happen by God. And then they find themselves in this place, and Jesus tells them to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and all of a sudden they're thinking natural bread. It goes back to where are you focused? Are you focused on what God has done for you? Because if He's brought you to this point, He's not going to stop now. He didn't bring you here just to stop. But he's not just going to stop now. Your life is supposed to be continually improving and growing and getting deeper and deeper into the will of God that actually you flow with the Holy Spirit because you've been established with the faith of God in your heart. Amen. 
me and Heather, we were uh, talking about some of these things, and we were praying. And actually, I was praying one morning, and there was a something that was spoken to me, and the Lord said, I'm placing you in a river. And he said it three times, in a river. And he said, a lot of my children reside in the lake. And this is what he said, which I found was weird. And he said, the lake is good, but the river is better. And I'm placing you in a river. And I was talking to Heather because I didn't understand that. And she was like, you got to understand that a river is a constant flow. A lake, yeah, you're surrounded with the presence of God, but you're just there. But there's a flow in the Spirit of God that will not leave you stationed in a lake because you have the opportunity as believers to get into the river, which is an unending supply, a flow of God's anointing life and power that can literally surge your body and take you to places that you've only dreamed of. All across this nation today, this time, there's people all across the world who are sitting in churches who believe God for absolutely nothing. We're not going to be those people. We're going to believe God for much more than we could ever produce on our own. We're going to tap into the actual faith of God, which was at one time delivered to the saints. Amen. We're going to move in the waters of freedom that God's promised us. And we're not going to shrink back unto death, but we're going to persevere unto eternal life. Because this river is not going to stop just right now. It's going to take us into the millennium. And then after that, it's going to be eternity where we'll always be actually engulfed in the presence of God and the power of God. And we'll have the life of God surging through our bodies at all times. Amen. But we have access to that power right now. The thing is, is what do we want? You know, the only other passage that I found where Jesus actually said great faith is to a Seraphonician woman when her daughter was possessed of the devil. And he said, it's not meat for me to take the children's bread and give it unto the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Now, do you understand what he's talking about in Jude when he tells you to earnestly contend for the faith? She was not leaving there without what she came for. She wasn't going to leave there. I'm convinced if he still would have said no, she wasn't going anywhere. That's what he's talking about, to press into God. Because Jesus has your answer. You've been given the faith of God, and that faith of God will always spur you to the things of God, and the things of God will always bring freedom into your life. Amen. It's God in us. And he said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. And he said, Go, your daughter's whole. It's amazing. You know, she had to ask Jesus for that. But the woman with the issue of blood, she didn't ask Jesus for healing. She took it. (laughs) Someone just said that. Amen. She took it. Amen. We're actually going to look at what faith is. And we're going to look in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things not seen. And like Mark said last week, faith is a noun. <laughs> and I told him I was just studying that this morning. Faith is a noun, you know. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's because I believe, I now do. Amen. It's not I do so that I can believe. That's where people get it wrong. It's because I believe, now I do. Faith is a substance. That's what the Bible just said. Of things hoped for. And the Bible says that hope maketh not ashamed. Which means that if you actually have faith for something, because it's been told unto you by a credible source, then that faith will actually produce hope. And it's a substance that lives inside of you. It's actually tangible. When we were driving this morning, I, I was thinking about faith, and, I, and, and this is what I said in, inside myself. I said, man, I know about this much of it. <laughs> and in my mind, I seen this vastness of the universe, you know, that, that just kept expanding. That's what faith is. There's no limit to it. Because it's literally found in the nature of God. Amen. We have the faith of God. There's no limit to it. Just like there's no limit to you. Amen. Because you are, were created in the image and the likeness of God. You are an eternal being. Which means you will live forever. Praise God. But we get to choose where we live forever. Amen. And that choice is found in God's own Son. We can choose when we leave this place to go in eternity and live with God forever, or we can choose to be separated from God forever. I heard somebody say, if God is so good, why would He create hell? And first thing you have to understand is God didn't create hell. God didn't say, I'm creating hell so anyone who rejects me, I'm going to make them pay. They're going to pay for all eternity because they didn't accept what I did for them. That's not the heart of God. If you know anything about God, that's not God. Okay. But what God did do is he said, my presence is only going to go this far. It's a space in the universe. I don't know where it is. Neither do you. He said, my presence is only going to go this far. And the reason I believe this is because you look at Lazarus and the rich man said unto Abraham, he said, Lord, he said, send, send Lazarus over here to dip his finger in some water and put it in my tongue that I may receive some relief from my torment. And Abraham's reply to him was, even if I wanted to, I couldn't because there's been a great chasm that's been fixed between me and you. Which tells you something. God is a good God. But when you die outside of His presence, you die outside of His presence. God's not sending anyone to hell. He made every single available option for you to get out. He made it easy. Salvation is not hard. Some people think, oh, salvation, it's so simple. It's supposed to be simple. Because if it was hard, children couldn't attain to it. And it's not God's will that any man should perish. That's Scripture. Amen. 
But if you look and you see things that are outside of the will of God, you see death, destruction, and hell on earth. You see that. But where God is, where his presence is, there's power, there's life, and there's that resurrection force that literally revives our spirits from the dead and creates in us new hearts and new minds to where we actually resemble God on this earth. Amen. Amen. Thank you for bearing with me. God is faithful. <laughs> so faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is actually what connects us to God. And you've heard me say this before. Faith is the currency of heaven. I believe this. Isaiah 55, verse 1, prophecy of Jesus. This is what he says. Lo, everyone that thirsteth, come you to the waters. And he that has no money, come and buy. How are you going to buy something if you don't have money? Because money, money is not the currency in heaven. Faith is the currency. And the thing is, is that you've already been to the exchanger, and he's given you everything you need. You don't need anything else. You don't need to look any, anywhere else. I was talking to a, a, a Muslim man that I used to deliver to. His name was Mike. And... I would always talk to him about the Lord, you know, and I came in one day and he was mad. And he said, uh, how come you come in here and you want to talk about Jesus, but you don't want to talk about Allah or the Quran? And, and I said, I said, Mike, I said, it would be like you telling me, Steve, there's plenty of women out there. There's plenty of women out there. Why are you settling for Heather? I said, I found the one. I stopped looking after I found the one. Amen. And Jesus said that he who comes to these waters, the waters of life, it said that you will thirst no more. In life, I'm no longer thirsty looking for something else to drink. I've been satisfied by the life of God. Amen. And the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, we all have the opportunity to hear the message of salvation sometimes in our, sometime in our life. But we didn't stop at the message of salvation. See, that's the lake that God was talking about. People have stopped there. And he said the lake is good. He didn't say the lake is evil. He said the lake is good. He said, but I'm putting you into a river. Amen. So then we heard the message of deliverance. And we believe the message of deliverance. And we expect the message of deliverance to work in our lives because faith comes by hearing and we heard. Amen. And we made a choice to believe because we had the faith of God inside us. It's your choice to believe. No one else can make that choice. No one else can talk you out of that choice. When you're established in the word of God, that, that word that comes into your life will actually produce the faith of God in you. And man does not have the ability to talk you out of it unless you let him. Amen. And the thing is, is that we don't have to let him. Praise God. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So we heard the message of deliverance, and we believe deliverance. You know, we're not staying in the lake. Praise God. Then we heard the, the message of prosperity. I'm speaking just as me and Heather. 
and we believe the message of prosperity. And we're believing for it, and we're walking in it. We're believing it. Amen. We've been believing it for many years. But then, we didn't stop there. We could have stayed there. But then we heard the message of grace. I'm, I'm talking about I'm in the river. You're in the river. Amen. And we're flowing in the grace of God now. Amen. And this is just the start, just like faith. I know about that much, and I see the vastness of the universe, and that's faith. It's always expanding. Grace is the same way. It works the same exact way because we grow into these things. Do you understand? When we reach eternity, we're not going to stop learning. There's too much of God to discover. Amen. But then it goes to Hebrews 11, verse 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Those are the only qualifications that I've seen in the whole Bible. If I'm wrong, correct me. But it says that the one who comes to God just must first believe that he is. That's the only qualification that you have. See, we have a natural faith that's been given us because this is my own beliefs. I believe that Adam had the faith of God in the garden and he walked in it and so did Eve. But when they sinned, their faith became a natural faith. But that faith was still able to access God, but only in part. It wasn't the faith of God. It was, it was a faith that God had given them. But it didn't function the same way that it was supposed to. That's why we don't see the word faith really till it comes to the New Testament, only two times in the Old Testament. But when Jesus died and rose from the dead, the faith of God was then able to be imputed back to man like it was in the Garden of Eden. Now we get to be like God on earth again. We get to have that fellowship with God on earth again. Amen. We became children of God again. Amen. But listen to what he says after he says, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And listen to what he says right after that. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I find that absolutely amazing. Amen. So for me and my household, I have a word from God. I'm in a river. Amen. And we're going with it. <laughs> We've been placed there by God. And the thing is, is you've been placed here by God. And I can tell you that this ministry is a, a river ministry. <laughs> we're not in the lake. We're in the river. Amen. God's taken us. To just he's taken us to higher places places that men have only dreamed about <laughs> yeah the upper room praise God he's going to reveal things to us because we've made a choice to actually believe what he said but the thing is is that you have the faith of God it's been transferred unto you. Amen. You have the opportunity to access it anytime that you need it. 
It's yours. It's been given to you. It was once delivered unto the saints. You're the saints. You have a right to it. Amen. You can make the choice to walk in it. And nothing will be impossible for you because nothing is impossible with God. And you're not without God. You're with God. Amen. You receive it this morning. Praise God. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father, for the opportunity, Lord God, to present your word. And I thank you for the anointing, Lord God. I thank you for the anointing that you've placed here today, Lord Jesus, and for the deliverance of my uncle. Lord God, it's such a marvelous and great thing in our eyes. And I just ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to do a great work in his life, Lord God, and mold him and shape him into the image which you've already placed inside of him. And that image is the image of your son. Lord God, show him that he's loved, Lord Jesus, and cherished, and that you value him, Lord God, that you've placed great value on his life, and his best days are still ahead. And we thank you for that, Lord God. And I just ask you to bless your people as we go, and we receive your word, and we thank you for it. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.